So we've started a um, sermon series called, that we're calling Crib to the Cross. Uh, so we've started with the life of Jesus, born in a manger, and obviously we've not forgotten that event. That's in recent memory. Then we're going all the way until Easter, um, and we're going to be thinking about that through the book of Mark, trying to see his perspective on the actions and the life and, this, and, and the teaching of Jesus. So we've looked at Mark and why he writes. We've, we've had a bit of a character study of the writer Mark, which John helped us with, with which was fantastic. Um, and last week, we looked at the first disciples. So uh, Jesus, in that, that wonderful, beautiful story of, of him coming along the Sea of Galilee, drawing together uh, these first disciples, telling some of them to drop their nets where they are and to come and follow um, him. He has this motley crew of people now following him. And, uh, and what they are, so if last week we were looking at them following, they are now, in uh, Mark's gospel, starting to learn what following actually looks like. And, and so they're kind of, the, the pace picks up. We get, um, the disciples are following Jesus. They're following him into new situations. He's preaching consistently. He's um, healing consistently. And um, even when he politely asks people not to tell uh, anybody about the, that healing, those people tell anyway. And so he's absolutely swamped with people. They're, they're in this, um, they're in Galilee. Has anybody been to the region of Galilee? Excellent. Maybe we need a, a, a church trip. That would be amazing. Um, so Galilee, just to set, set the map straight a little bit. So Jesus was obviously born, um, it, well, he was born in Bethlehem, lived often in Nazareth. All of that is in Galilee. Um, and they, and it's countryside, essentially. It's, if you've been there, you know it's beautiful. It's green. It's got, um, it's got rivers, lakes, and uh, everything going on. So that's the countryside where he was. Mark takes us from the countryside in Galilee, where he was doing his first bits of ministry, and it travels consistently on until it gets to Jerusalem, which is the big city, hustle and bustle, also where Jesus um, died on Good Friday and rose again on Easter Sunday. So, so that is the travel, that's the direction of travel we, we're taking. Right now, the story we're about to, to read is set within the context of country communities, so farming communities, uh, uh, people who are dealing with livestock and, and crops and all that, and um, probably don't have loads going on, I would, I would suggest. It's not, um, it wouldn't have this kind of multicultural, really interesting vibrancy that Jerusalem would have had with all sorts of debates going on and things. It would have been a quieter countryside town that he was um, ministering in. And um, so nothing much happening except for this guy called Jesus, who's making the biggest impact on uh, the whole of the countryside. They're all coming after him everywhere he goes. Um, people are spreading the word. They're following him everywhere he goes. And he has to retreat further into the countryside where there's no towns or villages because there's so many people gathering around him. He can't preach inside anymore because, um, because the, the crowds are too big. 
Um, so the disciples are, are realizing quite what they've signed up for, that they've, not, they've got kind of front row seats to see the biggest show in town. They've got front row seats to see all that Jesus was doing and, and, and all the people that were following him around now. They were amazed, all the people were amazed by his preaching that they said had authority in contrast to the teachers of the law who were just looking at the, uh, the scriptures and saying what they thought. But Jesus spoke with authority about what he knew the scriptures were about, and that caused them amazement. Also amazed by all the demons that were being cast out, and the people were following him more and more. And he was um, more than just a local celebrity. He was um, drawing everybody into a place of needing to make a decision about who he was. So the context, um, the immediate context in which um, Mary's going to come and read in a sec, is um, they have now gone back to where they were doing a lot of the ministry um, initially, and they've, they have gone into a building this time, um, and they are absolutely swamped with people. So um, Mary's going to read now. So this is in your Bibles, Math Mark 2, verses 1 to 12. A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. They gathered in such large, large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door. And he preached the word to them. Some men came, bringing to him a paralyzed man, carried by four of them. Since they could not get him in, to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered the mat the man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, son, your sins are forgiven. Now some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, why does this fella talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately, Jesus knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier, to say to this paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take your mat and walk. But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. Then he said to them, to the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat and go home. The man got up, took his mat and walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone and they praised God saying, we have never seen anything like this. Thank you, Mary. Um, right, where are we? 
prophesy. So um, who's heard that one before? Anyone? Okay, who, keep your hand up if you have um, done a some sort of diorama or some sort of thing. What does diorama, is that a thing here? Anyways, uh, something in Sunday school relating to lifting a mat uh, in and out of a shoebox. Maybe I'm the only one. But, um, oh, you guys have. Excellent. Um, so this is a classic uh, story that gets told in Sunday school. We probably are all familiar with it. I think uh, when I was reading... Um, Mark and some of the commentaries around it, what, what fascinated me was actually that, yes, it was hugely dramatic, uh, but probably for very different reasons than, uh, than what we think and what we teach in Sunday schools, or, or at least what I learned um, when I was making that shoebox uh, hole and lifting a little um, man with some string in and out. So, um, this man, who we know very little about, Mark introduce, uh, he introduces him into the most dramatic scene, into the most dram- in the most dramatic way. And um, all we know about this man is that he was paralyzed and that he has amazing friends. Um, th- uh, I, I doubt, well, I, I hope that some here have friends as amazing as this guy. Um, it, it's more than many could uh, ever hope for, but um, amazing friends that would drag him out not just uh, get to the door and say, oh, well, that's too bad, um, we can't get in, um, but would go to the lengths of dropping him in through somebody's roof. Uh, maybe they knew the person, maybe they didn't, but they dropped him in through the roof. Um, and so, so keep that to one side. But I always thought um, it was hugely dramatic, and I thought um, this seems really far-fetched in some ways because couldn't they have just like pushed through? And they're just pushed through the middle, you know, and um, and such was the scrum. And I, I think uh, who's been to a concert recently? Not not like a, a like a cello performance, but like uh, um, imagine trying to get front row when somebody has been sat there for three hours waiting to sit and grab uh, Harry Styles' T-shirt when he throws it off. Um, they're not going to let you through. You're, you're never getting through anyway except for through the roof if you want to get front row or, um, or you'd have to be, I mean, actually Mary does a very good job because she's quite um, unassuming, but she kind of sneaks in and says, oh, sorry, 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 and people do move out of the way, um, and I kind of follow in her train if we're doing. Um, but on the whole, that doesn't work. So these friends uh, were faced with this situation and so they, they go the extra mile, and they, um, they put him in through the roof. So this uh, was set within a context of that drama, but, but actually the drama which I believe Mark is trying to present is one much more uh, deep and theological than just a man dropping through a roof. I think to, in many ways that is secondary to the story, because the drama is something else entirely. Jesus um, is given, gifted, it drops out the sky. He is given an amazing sermon illustration, and he takes it with both hands. You see, in, in, um, in Mark's gospel, he makes a statement at the beginning about what he believes Jesus' actions mean, but then throughout the whole rest of it, 
He's basically asking each reader to make their own mind up. He's just drawing the facts together. He's showing how people have responded. So, so we'll see what, what people respond to um, this situation like. We watch people respond to Jesus. We are then given an opportunity to respond to those actions. But Mark doesn't say anything about, um, he doesn't present the value judgments on what those things are. He just lets us think about them and to reflect on them. And it causes us to question, what are we going to do? How are we going to respond to Jesus? Already there was, um, there was a, a divide happening um, within the response to Jesus. We've got um, Jesus preaching saying some things that people liked, saying some things that people weren't so happy with. But I'd say that there's a, a smaller divide happening at that point. Then there's, then there's uh, his healing ministry. I think that, that then pushed some of those who were already a bit um, dubious about who Jesus was to go to the lengths of saying, oh, the only way he's doing this is by demons. He must be um, demon-possessed or something, because nobody heals like this. So already that divide is starting to drift apart. Two paths, if you imagine, um, drifting apart. Then what we see in this passage um, sets those two paths on what are almost irreconcilable differences. It, it expedites the, the, um, the drama and the division that comes through Jesus' ministry in Mark. So unsurprisingly, Jesus um, takes this, this, this opportunity and he does something incredible with it. So uh, what, what was happening already was he was preaching and healing in this house and they were amazed, they were either amazed or they were um, kind of looking on with, um, with, well, they're being very unsure of what he was saying and doing. But up to now, um, wait, what was I going to say? But this now, what, what this, um, uh, this paralyzed man coming in brings the most, um, extreme drama that we've seen, the extreme division that we've seen yet in Mark. Because God, um, Jesus, instead of, uh, he could, there are a number of ways he could have done it. He could have, for example, he could have um, taught, and then he could have uh, healed, and then he could have talked about forgiveness. But what Jesus did was he talked about forgiveness. He said, your sins are forgiven. The man was still lying down on his mat. He allowed that, that kind of, he dropped that grenade in the room um, because what that was, was a, 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 it, that was a God claim. Through action, he was claiming there to be God. And that's what the Pharisees say. They say, um, who is this man? Who, or I think Mary said fella. Uh, who's this fella? Um, does it say fella? I do have an American Bible. Maybe that's, I think in the British version it says fellow. Um, but... Uh, Oh, fellow, fellow. Yeah, there it is, fellow. Some say fellow, some say fella. Um, so, um, so who's this fella that, that is, um, is claiming even to be God um, and who's blaspheming? 
drops that in there. Probably lets that simmer for a little bit. And then knowing their thoughts, he challenges them. And then he says, get up, you're healed. And he teaches through that. So he shows them, he, he allows the division to take hold. He allows them to, to it, he exposes their heart at the division that was going on within it. They had, they had decided that Jesus was something other than uh, who they wanted to follow. They decided he was something against what they believed in and uh, uh, their view of the Messiah. But he allowed that division to happen, and then he proved his worthiness through healing that person. He then called out the errors of their thinking. And he called them to make a decision about who he was. I think if we hold that idea of Mark presenting us with Jesus as a person to either follow or um, peel off from, uh, it will give us a lot of clarity as we go through this, um, go through this book together in the coming weeks. Here, Jesus makes a claim to be God, by which uh, he sets himself on um, a course to the cross. We're thinking about the crib to the cross. This is, I'd say, um, the, the, the start of that hard turn towards the cross. The people were not happy with the idea that he was claiming to be God, and ultimately that's what got him crucified. Jesus makes a claim on each of our lives. He offers us who he is to each of us. He offers a sense of uh, what he's calling us to. And we're asked to follow down that path or to divide off. And so I'd love for us um, to think more practically now about that idea of following Jesus. So the disciples in this are learning quite what it means to follow Jesus. Each time you can see they're kind of, they're, they're almost bewildered at times thinking, I didn't realize it would be quite like this. I thought, you know, that some of them are carrying swords around because they think they're going to be a part of this kind of, um, this band that takes over the Romans. Um, some of them uh, have a much different view of what Jesus' relationship with the religious uh, teachers would be. Not so confrontational, perhaps. And some probably had, had no idea what they were getting into. They just thought, wow, this guy is amazing. We're going to follow along and see, see what happens. So I wonder what um, your experience is. And, um, and as we are in this time of New Year's resolutions and considering, I wonder if we could take just um, some time to reflect on that question. What, where are you on this path of following Jesus? Where are you in this? Um, what, what are the decisions and the, the points at which Jesus calls you to follow him? Have you, made, have you taken a side route or are you still on that path? I mean, I, I, I think probably if you've been a Christian long enough, you will have clearly strayed from the path. I certainly have. I've lived through times of doubt, times of confusion, times of just um, 
basically disregarding what I know God's calling me to do and asking me to do, but feeling I don't have the strength to do it. So at this time when we're at New Year's uh, resolutions and thinking about uh, his call on our lives as, as his disciples in this generation, I'd love just maybe we could take a few minutes and perhaps we could have just um, some background music to reflect on that question. Where are you in the division um, that Jesus places in our lives? Are you following him or have some of the things he's asked you to do put you off on a side route? Have you lost your way? Are you um, following stronger than you ever have, perhaps? But let's just reflect on that image. And there, you might have more helpful images that you use in understanding your relationship with God. Um, and perhaps there's people here who've never made that decision at all. They don't, they don't, they've, they've been presented with Jesus, and they're still thinking about him, making their own mind up about who he is. Not sure. Not sure of what he asks of us. Not sure if he's real. Not sure if um, what he claims is true. But I just want to give us a few minutes now to, to reflect on that. And so let's, let's um, do that in the quiet. And we've got a few minutes, three minutes, let's say. So I'm just going to um, finish our time um, of, of looking at that scripture with reading an, uh, <coughs> one from Luke. And we're going to have an opportunity to uh, worship again. And perhaps the band could come up now and... Um, and then we'll have an opportunity to, to, to pray for each other, um, which, which Mary can lead us in. But um, let me finish by reading this. Jesus said, Do you think I came to bring peace on earth? No, I tell you, but division. From now on there will be five in one family divided against each other, three against two and two against three. They will be divided father against son and son against father, mother against daughter and daughter against mother, mother-in-law against daughter-in-law and daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. Division isn't um, necessarily the most hopeful thing to think about, but it is um, what Jesus was about. He was dividing um, what is truth dividing what is a lie, dividing uh, the realities of this world with those things which we um, sign up to, which are not uh, anything to do with reality. And my experience um, has been the more I follow Jesus, the more I realize that the call is much harder than I ever understood. But actually the intimacy with God in, the, in that call is uh, more life-giving, more joy-filled, and more powerful than anyone could imagine. So I think we sometimes uh, s sanitize um, the call to follow Jesus. It's a hard call, but God gives us all that we need to fulfill it. So let's, let's stand, let's respond to all that Jesus does in and through and for us. And let's respond in worship. Let's stand. <laughs>